Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com, who is holding a one-day pop-up shop on Saturday at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway memorabilia show held in the shadow of the Pagoda in one of the pavilions there. Our guest today, Christian Horner, Dario Franchitti, and a long close with IndyCar Director of Aerodynamic Development, Tino Belli, all on the subject of the 2020 Red Bull Advanced Technologies AeroScreen, something I am referring to in a very basic form as AeroScreen 2.0, following the prototype that was tested by IndyCar in 2018, both short oval, big oval, and whatnot, with Scott Dixon and Joseph Newgarden involved. Many deficiencies found with the original prototype, None of that is a condemning statement, though. That's the exact reason why you build a prototype and then find out what needs to be improved before that prototype becomes the final product that goes into production. What was unveiled today at Indianapolis by IndyCar President Jay Fry, the Red Bull Advanced Technologies team, definitely a interesting marriage of both Formula One's halo and the titanium superstructure that sprouts up from just above the dash bulkhead sprouts both sides like a wishbone around the driver's helmet and in IndyCar's sake attaches to the base of the primary roll hoop we have something that also does the one thing Formula One's halo cannot and does not do is protect items that might sneak through the exposed area of the halo and that is where the aero screen comes in now heavily fortified and held in place in a complete frame which is what the prototype lacked and what ultimately caused the prototypes to fail in ballistic testing this is a perfect example of taking all the lessons learned with the prototype and distilling them down into something that is a huge huge step forward for indycar so we'll start off with a short call with christian horner who rang me from the paddock in monaco on thursday then we will step to Dario Franchitti. Quick apology for the quality of the phone connection, but it was the best we could find. And then we close with IndyCar's Tino Belli, who gives us a very deep dive on the concept, the application, the plans coming, the timeline for many things. Uh, lots of information here, all courtesy of my favorite Welsh IndyCar and Formula One chassis designer. So let's get going with those three here, all brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and torontomotorsports.com. I love the fact that we have an enduring relationship between yourself and IndyCar president Jay Fry that has manifest yeah. in something very important, I believe, here for IndyCar. Before I ask you about the aero screen itself, if you could just share, share some thoughts about the ongoing dialogue between the two of you and how this has uh, been brought forth as something we will have in 2020. Well, obviously, Jay, you know, uh, we met during his time in NASCAR running the, you know, the Ripple entry and, uh, uh, you know, he's always a good operator, and then obviously he's gone on subsequently to, uh, you know, be running the whole, um, you know, IndyCar program now. Um, and, you know, we just kept in touch, whether it be other drivers and other bits and pieces, and then he came to me with a saying that, that you know, they wanted to do an aero screen, and obviously it was something we developed here in Formula One, so it made a lot of sense to put the, the two groups together. Looking at this aero screen, Christian, and knowing how, it was one of two known leading candidates for Formula One to adopt. Obviously, the yeah. 
uh, the halo has been at least the initial choice but I'm in, would be interested yeah. to hear about how the aero screen that Red Bull Technologies, Advanced Technologies, had developed has not been forgotten per se. It's been remained a topic of interest to develop, now manifest in what's coming next year in IndyCar. Absolutely, and I'm sure Formula One will keep a close eye, you know, on it as well and see how it performs and, you know, aesthetically as as, as well as, you know, functionally and from a safety point of view. So, um, you know, it's been a been a great program for rebel advanced technology to get involved in looking at the evolution at least adding the titanium upper ring and such and at least looking at the intended mounting system to the delarity w12 indycar chassis without overstating the obvious this just looks like a fairly straightforward piece of kit that should achieve everything that's desired uh, while also maintaining uh, the aesthetics of the vehicle i might be more making more of a statement than a question there but curious if this seems as much of a no-brainer to you as it looks like in the renderings yeah, absolutely i mean you know as, uh, from a load bearing capacity yeah it's expected to, to be around 150 kilonewtons so it's you know it's it's up to the job as well so hopefully you know, if it provides a safer environment for the drivers, that can only be a good thing. You no, know, one topic that I imagine will be of interest to folks is the alignment of a Formula One affiliated entity like RBAT and IndyCar. Can you just share some thoughts on this, at least for some in North America who might think, hmm, interesting, this form, is this Formula One dipping their hands into IndyCar, or is this just a quality solution provider engaging with a, a a racing series that's more domestic than international. Yeah, I think it's it's basically, um, you know, as an engineering house, Ripple Advanced Technology has the skill set um, and capacity to do this this piece of work um, alongside other projects that we have, like the Aston Martin Valkyrie. And it was, you know, provided a solution to, to you know, Jay and the IndyCar guys that, you know, fitted their brief. Last question or two, Christian. So looking at the months and weeks ahead, where does this partnership start to flourish in terms of going from renderings like those seen here with the announcement to actual fitment of the pieces, testing of the pieces on a chassis, either impact testing and otherwise? Just curious where this starts to accelerate and become reality. I'm sure over the coming months, it'll you know obviously be subject to different uh, crash tests and, uh, and and circuit testing. So. Uh, but, you know, we're confident in its design and that it, you know, it'll, uh, uh, it'll get the job done. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you very much indeed. Mr. Frankiti, you have been not only a long and fine and upstanding member of the IndyCar community, but you're also someone who, in a very distinguished career, moved from CART. Uh, we have Champ Car slash Indy Racing League, what then become became the IndyCar Series. You've been a part of this world for a couple of decades. And knowing that you have also, I guess fortunately or unfortunately, felt the physical effects of chassis safety, some better than others. Curious to get your thoughts just with your, your history in the sport in IndyCar specifically where seeing the renderings of this new Red Bull Advanced Technologies aero screen that's coming for 2020, your thoughts on it, where you think it might fit in the timeline of IndyCar safety developments, 
And whether you think this is window dressing or something that's really finally time to be here. First of all, I, I, I think it's a, a great addition to the safety um, of, of the current IndyCar. Um, you know, I say that as someone who, who strapped themselves in for a long time into an IndyCar and someone who, who lost three good friends um, to injuries that might have been prevented with the, with the you know, the new screen. Um it's. I think it's it's needed. Uh, you know, you got to applaud Jay Fry and the whole team and, and the guys at Red Bull because they've, they've acted very very quickly, and they've done something. Um, they've come up with a, a very um, strong solution, and it covers all. You know, they've really gone to town on you know, ventilation and, and, and possible fogging issues and all, all the kind of things that really, that really thought it through. Um, and so it's, I'm, I'm very positive about it. It's, um, it was needed and I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's here. You know, I can see some of the, some of the purists would be complaining about it. Um, but I think it's if you look at where the cars have gone, and you look at how car design has changed, you know, just even from the 30s, where the car tub stopped at the driver's hips, and over the generations, it's gone up and up until you know I think 95 after after Senna's crash, you saw the sort of the hex around going in. So the driver has become more and more um, cocooned in the car rather than on the car, and I think that had to happen. Um, where do you think, Dario, this takes us in terms of driving evolution, knowing how when our friend Dixie helped with the very first on-track test, we had Joseph Newgarden help with some additional testing last year with the first iteration, not the final one that's coming for 2020, but they both mentioned that was unique in that, hey, my head's no longer being buffeted uh, with 200-mile-an-hour yeah. wind. Uh, hey, there's some little interesting uh, visual oddities. You know, maybe there's a little reflection here or there, or there might be some optics that are not 100% perfect. We assume these things will be corrected with what Red Bull's coming uh, with next year. But just thoughts on... You know, you've had to evolve to things changing in the cockpit over the years, but I don't know if you've ever had anything, well, other than driving a sports car, but I don't know if you've ever had to adjust <laughs> to uh, being in an open wheel forum and all of a sudden having this rather, you know, uh, interesting device now presented in front of you. Yeah, I think it, it might change the, the driving experience a little bit. It might, um, you know, you... you you, because the wind noise is one of the big things, you know, running, running around Indianapolis. But to me, the, the wind noise was was much louder than than the engine noise at those type of speeds. So you take away that you take away that a lot of that wind noise, and it's, it's I think it'll be a different experience for the for the driver. I think the optics, the Red Bull guys will figure out the optics if there's any issues. You know, the sun coming at it from a certain angle, or you know, the the, the consistency of the shape of the glass and all of that. I'll be figured out. I, I have no doubt. Um, you know, so it's um, you know, there was there was some concern with the original was okay. How do we get how do we get air into the driver? And you know, 
of the air, you know, the, the, the way the wind goes around the, the screen and everything, but this, this seems to have been very clearly thought out with, with, with a new solution. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be good. It'll be interesting to see what it does aerodynamically to the car and how, how you know, they maybe have to change the, the rear wing or something to keep the car in balance. I don't know if that's, that's um, something that will have to be thought about but again it's you look at you look at the way Jay and, and, and the whole IndyCar team is operating they're really they're proactive now they're not reactive they're proactive and that's, that's a nice that's a nice change having been in the sport for a long time um, it's nice to see that the the sanctioning body getting some momentum behind them and some stability let's close on this my friend so you want it well of the many attributes we love about you one thing i take personal joy in which you know is you are never worried or concerned about pushing back when you believe folks are saying either silly things selfish things you're definitely someone who has shown over the years in person social media wherever you're going to hold the line if you believe folks are stepping over i say that in reference to some of the comments we've seen, particularly last year with the first iteration of the aero screen, some folks saying, looks dumb, looks stupid, you're destroying IndyCar, you're destroying uh, this, that, and the other. Not asking you to say mean things, but knowing your belief in importance here of whether folks love the look of it or not, we're ultimately trying to do a better job of saving the lives of folks who we know care for that entertain us just share some thoughts for those who might be critical of its looks, but might might not fully understand that, you know, there was an era where American football, when it was truly called football, because you weren't allowed to use your hands. There were times when men played the game with relatively thin leather caps. And there came a time where putting on full face helmets became the thing needed to improve their safety. And there continue to be more advancements. Do you think (laughs) folks need to just recognize that while nothing's perfect, that this is just something that is for the greater good of the athletes who attempt to entertain us and maybe less of a thing to criticize just on pure aesthetics? You know, everybody has their own opinion about it. And, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody what, what to think. Um, but from 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 my side, it's you know, Christian Fittipaldi used to have a great saying when when somebody would come back with more rules than it this way, and he would turn around and he would say, "Well, Fangio used to race in a leather helmet. Doesn't mean we should." Hmm. And um, you know, safety moves on, and that's the thing. You know, I've certainly benefited from a lot of these, you know safety um, advances, whether it's the safer barrier, the hands device. Um, Better helmet technology, accelerometers, and everything. There's been this ongoing sort of this, this, the seat technology. Um, there's been there's constant developments, and um, you know, I think I go back to again, you know, go back to Greg, go back to Dan, go back to Justin. Um, if we'd have had the safety, this this the, the new scale screen, if we'd have had that, as com- combined with the, you know with everything they've done to integrate it into the, the tub, those guys might still be here. And, uh, you know, to me, I don't care what it looks like at that point. I happen to think it looks good, but I don't care what it looks like. If, 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 if that was the trade-off to, you know, to have, still have those friends around. Um, 
Again, IndyCar's never going to be fully safe, and everybody accepts that. But you have to, if you have the opportunity to make it safer, you have to do it. And that's that counts all racing. Um, you know, and one one thing I would say as well, Marshall, is um, just on a completely different tether. So the the way they've integrated this this device into the into the current tub, I think, is really clever because you know the the, the paddock doesn't have the, the money available just to go out and buy a, a whole new set. What would it be, sixty, seventy tubs next year? Um, with an aeroscreen um, in it so they've had to integrate it into the current tub and I think they've done a very good job in, in knowing what the strengths and weaknesses are of the, the Dallara tub and, and doing that so that's, that's, that's very smart Amen to that Thank you as always my friend for helping to bring All right. some context to uh, things that are often not always easy to present So Tino so happy that we are finally able to put a start date on the introduction of IndyCar's aero screen now as we know working with Red Bull Advanced Technologies from a uh, production standpoint maybe you could share with your race car chassis design background and also your role today as IndyCar's foremost aerodynamic expert how this I guess we might call it second generation aero screen uh, that's been announced. How this has come together uh, working with Red Bull for what will be produced here for 2020. It started, it originally started in Christmas of 2016 when Red Bull uh, found out that we wanted to work on a windscreen. And of course, they were working on the aero screen for Formula One and they wanted to collaborate. And I happened to be going to England for Christmas and Jay asked me to go up and visit them. And uh, we had a very open conversation and they were a very open book to us and they wanted to work with, um, with IndyCar on the development of the screen. Of course, Formula One went in a slightly different direction. They went in the direction of the halo uh, and we went in the direction of the windscreen, let's say, without the top frame, just the windscreen on its own. Um, the windscreen on its own uh, didn't quite work out the way we wanted. So the track testing went well in that it was optically good. Uh, we knew there were going to be a few issues, which is um, head forces, which we found out in CFD and was backed up by Joseph's run here at the Speedway uh, last April, I think. And the other one is uh, ventilation. But when we finally did the ballistic tests on the optical screen, it didn't do well enough, which um, made us revisit in a little bit of a rush some other options. So one of the options was to, um, and this was Delara's suggestion, was just to go to the regular FIA halo. Uh, so we tested the halo for uh, visuals on the Delara simulator because there was concern that on the high banked speedways that the halo would uh, obscure the vision. Um, and so we ran with Scott Dixon on the uh, Delara simulator with a standard FIA halo. And to our surprise, it didn't obscure any 
visions in any way. Uh, but when we came to do the um, the stress test on the tub, this current tub couldn't sustain the loads of the FIA halo in the back corner of the cockpit opening, which made us uh, revisit some of our other thoughts. So we we then said, hey, you know, where are the strong points on the tub? And we said, well, the base of the roll hoop is strong. Um, and later we put in the um, strong point for the AFP on the front. And so we said, well, why don't we make our windscreen with a top frame um, mount to those points? Plus the type of screen that Red Bull had developed for Formula One was uh, a different material. So one, it was laminated so that any cracks don't propagate through the, lamin the plastic film in the middle, like your car windshield. And secondly, so we repartnered up with Red Bull to try and make a, a version of their screen uh, fit to the Delara chassis. So this screen incorporates a, you know, a top frame so that it can... Uh, take the big hits of like a wheel assembly or a nose. Plus we have the windscreen, which in our type of racing we need because our racing is very uh, proximal. So, you know, you take Iowa, 17 second lap, 24 cars. Even if we have a parade, we've got, we're basically half a second between cars. So when we have a an crash with no runoff area on an oval, uh, and a 175 mile an hour impact with a debris field that we can create. We felt we we knew that we needed a windshield as well because yes, big objects hitting the driver on the head are not good, but small objects hitting the driver on the helmet is also uh, likely to um, knock the driver out or give them a serious injury at 175 mile an hour. We didn't like the halo solution only, uh, also because debris could be deflected into the torso of the driver and that would be catastrophic. That's a completely unprotected part of the driver. So Tino, looking at the design itself, I think for those who saw what was used in testing the prototype last year, it was very simplified, if you want to call it, in comparison to... Uh, what we've seen in the rendering today, and at least simplified in terms of the treatment towards the front of the aero screen. We see some what appear to be uh, inlets for air to move in and through, uh, possibly uh, also some diverting of, of air with small veins and whatnot. If you could share some thoughts on the differences from an aerodynamic standpoint, and after that I'll ask you about some of the structural and mounting differences compared to what folks saw with the prototype last year? On the main forces of the vehicle, um, and this will be surprising to a lot of your readers, the, um, the aero screen really isn't as um, detrimental to downforce and drag as you might expect. Um, it hurts a little bit more on the speedway because the rear wing is so low. It's basically below the level of the... Um, top of the windscreen but when you get to the road course with the two element rear wing it really has almost no impact 
whatsoever on the car aerodynamics. And we discovered, you know, people were skeptical of this, but it, the original PPG screen, we found the same thing, and it was backed up on, on track. So um, the small changes that were needed to the aerodynamic setup of the car, uh, you know, were um, what we found through CFD and in the wind tunnel was, uh, was, was correct. The, um, one of the problems is uh, now the head sits in this completely um, cocooned atmosphere. Uh, the positive pressure that we normally get on the front of the helmet, which let's take the AFP, for example, as we discovered a couple of weeks ago, you reduce that positive pressure, which is like just between the eyes and above the eyes, which pushes the helmet back. Once that moves away, the helmet tends to get pushed forward by the air going over the top and getting between the headrest. So the slots that you see at the base of the windscreen are mainly to try and inject some uh, airflow back at the helmet to push it back a little bit against the other aerodynamic forces that are trying to push the helmet forward. So they're not really for um, driver ventilation because they're aimed quite high at the helmet. And of course, you don't cool the driver on his helmet. You need to drive the cooler driver on his torso. Then you have the effect, which is now there is uh, very little air spilling over the edges of the cockpit rim down onto the torso of the driver. We have to provide um, a bit more air into the cockpit so where we have a hole where the um, uh, anti-roll bar is and we're going to try and push some air down there and push that air over the whole body so it basically goes from the driver's feet all the way up over his body and then out of the car so looking at the <laughs> mounting methods tina which i find uh, i greatly appreciate the effort that was put in for this rather than come up with a variety of new things that must be done to try and retrofit something, uh, it, let's just call it a 2020 piece to a chassis that was designed many years earlier, would appear that using the AFP's mounting uh, location at the front is being purposed, repurposed here, if we want to put it that way. You're making use of, of something that is already built into every chassis at the moment. You're doing that, and there's also the use of the uh, mounting points in the primary roll hoop uh, behind the driver. So just from a, I guess, accepting forces and handling forces standpoint, can you share some insights on how you arrived in the methods of mounting the aero screen and how you're able to, frankly, use the places you would exactly want to use to handle high loads. Our target was always to achieve the um, FIA 150 kilonewtons, which the chassis has to be able to take two pushes on the, let's say, the top frame uh, at 150 kilonewtons. Um, because we've discovered through now the AFP, but also previous to that, the simulator test on the halo, that the drivers and, of course, 
Formula One and Formula Two and Formula E will all have the halo. The drivers don't mind the blade right in front of their eyes. Um, and because we did the AFP, it made sense to try and use that reinforcing that we put into the car for the AFP because that connects completely to the dash bulkhead. Uh, it, it's just a great, strong place to um, pick everything up from. So, for example, the AFP has had uh, has had uh, the full, the same load test load put onto it that we put onto the rear roll hoop. And with the rear roll hoop, we get something like uh, 50 mil, uh, 25 millimeters or an inch of deflection when we apply that test. On the AFP, we apply that load and we get no deflection. So it's a very, very strong point. Then we had a, as I said, when we looked at the halo, the the it's a 2012. It was this tub was to FIA standards in 2012, but they've increased the standards around the shoulders, that corner of the cockpit around the shoulders. And that wasn't strong enough, and so we then said, well, you know, the base of the roll hoop is strong enough. Let's attach it to there and stabilize it by spreading the loads out to the edge of the cockpit rim behind the driver's eyesight. So you'll notice it's quite wide there uh, so that we can put the loads into the that, that corner of the cockpit rim, very um, spread the loads out a lot. And uh, of course we'll end up reinforcing it. So we've been really pleased. All the calculations show that the tub with this type of mounting, the calculations are done by Delara and Red Bull on the tub have shown that we can take the 150 kilonewtons. Um, and we've just gone from there. Obviously, in uh, normal IndyCar fashion, we've tried to make a step forward to in construction to how the halo is constructed. And we are trying to, you know, make it look a little bit nicer too. Let's close Tino on a couple of process related topics so we have the announcement today of this which is great where do things start to happen on a projected timeline and of course not asking you we're not holding you to specific date x and time x but just in a general sense where do things move forward from here in terms of getting a the version 2.0 or whatever we might call this prototype on a car to start testing uh, assessing I know you said the aerodynamic influences are far uh, lesser than some might decide, but getting a feel as to whether there might be, after some on-track testing, any further developments uh, with maybe a rear-wing element or who know who knows. But just curious where we go from here to getting it on track, speedway and road course, maybe start thinking about mass production and such, because I know obviously the announcements... Uh, it's part one, but it's part one of probably 20 additional things to come before next year. So the project has um, three phases. So phase one, which has been completed, was to make sure that the idea wasn't was feasible. So that was really FEA analysis um, of the tub with a... Um, a pretend top frame um, and to do some basic aerodynamic studies and although the, the aerodynamic studies go all the way through 
to the end of phase two. So phase one is complete and we're probably um, about a one third of the way into phase two, which is to um, start designing the top frame in mind for detail manufacturing. So, you know, we've had to take into account some other things like fogging. So this screen will have a heating element in it. Um, we're looking, there's tear-offs and reflections and all sorts of other possible issues that we get. Driver cooling, we've mentioned. Helmet forces uh, take a lot of effort. And uh, where we're, we've done the first, or Red Bull have done the first FEA analysis is on the top frame, a production um, spec a phase one production design top frame, and they're now going through a second iteration because we want to minimize the weight of the top frame. So we don't want to put material where we don't need it and we want to maximize material where it is needed. We are a couple of weeks to three weeks away from making a rapid prototype version of the top frame which we will recheck in the Delara simulator for sight lines. There are certain things that have happened with the screen. So in putting the heating element in, you need a certain amount of thickness top and bottom where the what they call the bus bar, which is where the main copper comes along to the heating elements that go down the screen uh, and you can't see through those areas. So we're just tuning the, um, we're about, next week we'll start manufacturing the SLA part so we can go in and make sure that the sight lines are okay on the top frame and the bottom frame. Um, then we've got to get into, I think, I think the detailed design phase goes through probably the end of July. Um, we have to obviously decide who's going to manufacture the windscreen and we have to start um, deciding who's going to manufacture the top frame and the bottom frame. Um, it's likely that the top frame is going to be titanium to keep the weight down. Uh, then we have to take the prototype frames and put them into a fixture and do the load tests on the first frames that we make. So we're going to make like uh, three frames, three to five frames to start. We have to do ballistic testing where we fire not only, we plan to fire a, a wheel assembly, uh, weighted wheel assembly like you've seen the FIA did at the whole assembly, but we also plan to do um, ballistic tests. We're firing a one kilogram piece of aluminum at it at 220 miles an hour. Um, these materials, the, the, the design criteria and the, and the windscreen material have all um, passed these sort of tests in the past. So they're really check the box tests, but we have to make sure that we haven't accidentally done something to um, make the components less effective. <laughs>